0: Book Two, Chapter Five of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book Two, Chapter Five History of Joseph, Genesis thirty seven to forty two, B.C. seventeen twenty seven to seventeen o seven it was while he was sojourning in the neighbourhood of hebron where like his father he united agricultural with pastoral occupations genesis thirty seven and seven that the saddest trial of his life befell jacob of all his sons none was dearer to him than joseph the child of his beloved rachel in token of his affection he bestowed upon him a coat of many colours probably a tunic furnished with sleeves and reaching down to the ankles worn by youths of the richer class by some this is supposed to indicate his intention of transferring to him as being the eldest son of the favourite rachel the right of primogenitor whether this was so or not it roused much jealousy and ill-feeling amongst joseph's brothers already incensed by the circumstance of his bearing to his father when seventeen years of age an evil report of the sons of zilpah and bilhah with whom he kept the flocks another incident fanned the flame of ill-feeling joseph unwittingly told his brethren of two dreams he had dreamt in one of which he had seemed to see them binding sheaves in the field and lo his sheaf rose and stood upright while their sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to his sheaf in the other, he beheld the sun, moon, and the eleven stars making obeisance to him. even Jacob rebuked his favorite son for his seeming self-exaltation, though he observed the saying genesis thirty seven eleven After a time, an opportunity was presented to the brothers of taking a cruel revenge, though Jacob was settled in the vale of Hebron, a portion of his numerous flocks and herds were kept by his sons on the rich pasture-grounds near Shechem thither on one occasion jacob sent his favourite son to see how his brethren fared and bring him word again joseph set out and being directed by a man whom he met to dothan or the two wells a place about twelve miles north of shechem famous for its pasturage he went thither in quest of them from the rising ground where they were keeping their flocks the brothers descried the dreamer approaching and straightway resolved to slay him and cast him into a pit and then report to his father that he had been devoured by wild beasts. From actually putting him to death they were, however, dissuaded by Reuben, and contented themselves with stripping him of his coat of many colours, and casting him into an empty cistern, intending probably to let him die by hunger. But when they had done this, and had sat down to eat, a company of Ishmaelite, or Midianite merchants, for the two names are used interchangeably, approached mounted on camels and bearing spicery and balm going down the high road which passed near from gilead to egypt thereupon judah proposed that they should sell him to these traders and he was taken up from the pit and sold to the ishmaelites who paid for him twenty pieces of silver the usual price of a male slave from five to twenty years of age reuben was not present when the cruel bargain was struck and was greatly distressed when on his return he found that his brother was gone but the others killed a kid dipped joseph's coat of many colours in its blood and brought it to jacob with the hypocritical enquiry whether it was his son's coat or no and informing him that they had found it thus smeared with blood even reuben did not reveal the true state of the case and jacob supposing that his favourite son had been slain by wild beasts put sackcloth upon his loins and refusing every proffered consolation, mourned for him many days genesis thirty seven twenty nine to thirty five Meanwhile, the Midianitish caravan kept on its southward course and eventually reaching Egypt, sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the executioners genesis thirty eight thirty six margin in his house joseph though a foreigner and a slave gradually won the confidence of his master who appears to have been a wealthy man and possessed of property in the field as well as in the house so that before long in the capacity of overseer he was entrusted with the entire possessions of the egyptian and the divine blessing rested upon his house for joseph's sake but this period of happiness and prosperity was destined to come to an abrupt termination With the profligacy for which the egyptian women were notorious the wife of potiphar on one occasion tempted joseph to commit adultery with her and when he resisted all her seductions charged him to her husband with the very crime she had ineffectually tempted him to commit thereupon potiphar fully believing her story without bringing his faithful steward before any public tribunal cast him into the prison in his own house but amidst this grievous trial joseph was not forsaken the lord was with him and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison who convinced of his fidelity and uprightness entrusted him with the care of all the prisoners there confined amongst these there soon appeared the chief of pharaoh's cupbearers and the chief of his bakers two high officers of the egyptian court on whom joseph was specially directed to wait during their imprisonment each of them dreamt a dream the chief of the cupbearers dreamt that a vine was before him on which were three branches that it was as though it budded and its blossoms shot forth and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes that of these he took and pressed them into the pharaoh's cup which was in his hand and gave it to that monarch the chief of the bakers dreamt that he had three white baskets on his head the uppermost full of all manner of baked meats for pharaoh which the birds ate out of the baskets on his head convinced that these dreams portended events of great importance in their lives and unable to interpret them these high officers were filled with sadness but joseph being informed of the cause by virtue of his prophetic gifts interpreted the dreams and announced to the chief of the butlers that within three days on the anniversary of pharaoh's birthday he should be restored to his office while within the same period his fellow-prisoner would be hanged upon a tree where the birds would eat his flesh from off him as he had predicted so it came to pass within the specified period the one of these grandees was executed and the other restored to his former high position But though the Hebrew captive had told the chief of the butlers his own sad story, in the hour of prosperity the restored grandee forgot his benefactor and his touching request that he would intercede with Pharaoh on his behalf. Genesis 40, 12-23 Two more years, therefore, of tedious imprisonment passed over Joseph's head, when one night Pharaoh himself was troubled with two mysterious dreams in the first he seemed to stand by the banks of the nile and behold out of it there came seven well-favoured kine and fat-fleshed and fed in the marsh grass that lined the banks and behold after them there came up seven poor ill-favoured lean-fleshed kine and they ate up the seven well-favoured and fat kine and when they had done so it could not be known that they had eaten them for they were still as ill-favoured as at the beginning in his second dream the monarch beheld seven ears of corn growing upon one stalk full fat and good and after them seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind which devoured the seven full and fat ears troubled with these visions of the night he awoke and sent for all the magicians of egypt and all the wise men thereof and told them his dream but they were unable to give him any interpretation In this difficulty the chief of the butlers bethought him of his youthful benefactor in the prison, and told Pharaoh what had befallen him there, and how a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of the executioners, had interpreted his dream. Upon this the monarch sent for Joseph, who was brought into the royal presence, and having been told the nature of the dreams, informed Pharaoh that they were sent by the great God to forewarn him of what he was about to do the seven good kine and the seven good ears denoted seven years of plenty the seven thin ill-favoured kine and the seven empty ears of corn denoted seven years of very grievous famine about to befall the entire land of egypt the doubling of the dreams denoted that the event was certain and imminent he advised therefore that without delay the monarch should set over the land a man discreet and wise with overseers under him to take up the fifth part of the land during the seven years of plenty and lay up corn and food in various cities against the seven years of famine which were assuredly to come Genesis 41:14-36 This advice found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh and deeming no other so well fitted for the post as the interpreter of his dreams he appointed him to fill it and in token of his freedom placed on his hand his own signet ring and a gold collar about his neck and arraying him in vestures of fine linen he caused him to ride in the second chariot that he had preceded by heralds crying bow the knee joseph was thus invested with the dignity of an oriental vizier and could act in the name of the king besides these marks of honour pharaoh changed his name to zaphnath penea or the revealer of secrets and united him in marriage with Azanath, the daughter of Potiphera, devoted to Ra or the son, priest or prince, Genesis forty one forty five margin, of On the later Heliopolis and the religious capital of the country. Thus, at the age of thirty, after thirteen years of painful vicissitudes, the son of Jacob was elevated to the highest position next to the sovereign himself in the great kingdom of Egypt. In accordance with the plan he himself had indicated, he straightway commenced a tour throughout the land, and during the seven years of plenty, brought up a fifth part of the corn in the country, and laid it up in granaries in the various cities. During the same period he became the father of two sons, to whom, though born of an Egyptian wife, he gave Hebrew names, calling the firstborn Manasseh a forgetter, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. The second he named Ephraim, fruitful, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. At the close of the seven years of plenty, the seven years of dearth drew on, and its effects were felt not only in Egypt, but in all the neighboring lands. During the first part of this period, the wants of the people were relieved by the abundance which the foresight of the vizier had stored up he opened all his granaries and sold unto the egyptians delivering over the money into the pharaoh's exchequer when money failed barter was resorted to and the egyptians obtained bread in exchange for their horses cattle and flocks when at length these means were exhausted they sold him their land except that of the priests who, being provided from the royal treasury, did not feel the horrors of the famine. Thus possessed of the entire country, Joseph improved the opportunity to place the relations between the Egyptian monarch and his people on a settled and legal footing. He made them indeed vassals of their sovereign, but in place of allowing them to be taxed according to royal caprice, he disposed of the land to them, on the understanding that four parts were to be their own, for seed of the field, and for food for them and their families, while a fifth part was to be paid annually to the king in place of ground rent. An arrangement by no means oppressive, when it is considered that the soil sometimes yielded thirtyfold, or even a greater increase. Genesis 41.46-57 to at an earlier period during the seven years of famine ten of joseph's brethren went down into egypt at the suggestion of their father and presented themselves before him with the petition to be allowed to buy corn in the viceroy second only to the great pharaoh they did not for a moment recognize the boy whom twenty years before they had lowered into the dry pit at dothan but though joseph knew them and recognized the fulfillment of his early dreams, he did not reveal himself to them. Through an interpreter he spake roughly unto them, pronounced them to be spies who had come down to see the nakedness of the land, and when they denied the charge, declared they should be imprisoned, till one of them had brought down their youngest brother. For three days he actually kept them in ward, and finally on condition that one remained behind as a hostage permitted them to return with corn for their families stricken with remorse and not imagining that the viceroy could understand their language they acknowledged that their sin had found them out and recalled the day when they saw the anguish of their brother and turned a deaf ear to his beseeching entreaties that they would not deal hardly with him then simeon was bound before their eyes and sad and sorrowful they commenced their return but on the road they had fresh cause for alarm and confusion on opening their sacks they discovered not only that corn had been supplied them but that their money had been restored to them marveling at this strange circumstance they reached home and recounted to their father all that had befallen them and how he could not hope to see simeon again Till they returned with their youngest brother, Benjamin, into the presence of the viceroy of Egypt. On hearing this hard condition, Jacob burst forth into bitter complaints, and though Reuben offered the life of his two children as a pledge for Benjamin's safe return, absolutely refused to allow him to accompany them. His brother, said he, is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave Genesis forty two thirty eight end of book two chapter five